Welcome to the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate, gathering the voices of medical affairs thought leaders and stakeholders to explore current trends, define best practices, and empower the medical affairs function. I'm your host, Garth Sundam, Communications Director at MAPS, and today we'll be speaking with Robert Grobel and Danny Duplessis about expert engagement, driving the strategic impact of medical affairs. Robert is VP of Global Strategy uh, for Monocle. Monocle is a MAPS Partner Circle member company and a cloud-based stakeholder platform enabling professionals in life sciences to confidently identify and engage the right experts across the world. By continuously analyzing a large amount of data across all therapeutic areas and regions, Monocle provides scientific context and actionable insights. Danny is EVP of Medical Affairs at Kiowa Kirin, a senior pharmaceutical executive with 25 years experience, and MAPS EMEA region president. Today, Robert and Danny will help us look from the healthcare provider perspective at how experts prefer to engage with medical teams, both in the context of the pandemic and into the future. Robert, Danny, welcome. <laughs> and uh, Thanks for let's- having us. They, oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for being here. And Robert, I was hoping you could just set the stage. So I think our audience knows, you know, a fair amount about the current challenges for field medical, but will you just lay out the landscape for us of, of why now is an important time to be having this discussion? Well, thanks for the question, Garth. I think, I think now is the time to be having this discussion when we reflect on all of the innovation that's happening across the industry and the, the focus that uh, pharma biotech has on rare disease, genetic diseases, uh, and interventions that are far more complex than we've seen in the past. And being able to understand the experts that are most appropriate for scientific discourse are, is incredibly important, but being able to understand what their needs are and, and their desire to have a relationship with a company is, I think, critical in building long-term trusted relationships. Oh, so that's so interesting that you would start with the complexity of emerging uh, treatments. You know, I thought we would be talking pandemic, pandemic, pandemic this whole time. But Danny, what do you think about that? I mean, so we've got a couple things going on here. What else would you add to the landscape of field medical interactions right now? Yeah, thanks, Garth. Uh, you know, it's really interesting, uh, the pandemic and the, the influence it has on, on all of us. And... At the same time, we sometimes forget that all companies have actually been on a journey of, of change and improvement the whole time. Huh. And my view is that, you know, it, one of the good things maybe of the pandemic is that some things have actually just been expedited. We've been forced to do things in a different way than what we used to do it. And that's uncomfortable, right? Because change is uncomfortable always. Um, so so the, the, the way that people interact has slowly been changing, I believe. Uh, and as I've said, you know, it's been expedited. And therefore, it's a really good time to reflect on what does this look like now? What could it look like in the future? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what is the so-called dreaded expression of a new normal? Um, and do we need to actually move away from from COVID and rather think about the future 
and what is a better way to do things than what we've done in the past, because that is really part of innovation as well. Oh, that's interesting. So, Robert, do you see the pandemic maybe as, as, as accelerating positive change or, or maybe even just accelerating inevitable change? Well, I'll, I'll certainly take the positive on this. I think the positive change, the positive change that, that COVID has potentially kind of enacted on the industry is the reflection on what, what type of resources do we as an industry need to provide to experts and healthcare providers around the world to make really important decisions? And, and you know, will some of the resources that, that the industry has at their disposal move more directly in line with, with medical affairs? Are there other scientific resources that we can, we can create because they're of higher value? Um, I think the pandemic also, you know, just by way of our isolation, has forced, to Danny's point, really accelerated um, the way we think about communication and, and changing the way we communicate and engage with people. And can we be more efficient? Can we be more aligned to better times or, or better formats of communication so that the experts in HCPs can, can focus more of their time on patient care? I think, I think it's a positive. Oh, that's interesting. And so do you see, you know, both of you, do you see the, the HCPs, uh, because they were forced to engage digitally during this time, do you find that just accelerating their comfort with this digital engagement? I think it's a combination. Um, it, it depends on a few things, right? So, so we all know the expressions around, you know, digital natives and all sorts of other things. And then there's eventually, I think, digital asylum seekers like myself, um, who's uh, grown up in a, in a previous environment, uh, but learning as we go along. So my sense is that, that there's, a, there's a generation, and this is not only about age, by the way, but there's a generation of, of HCPs who's much more comfortable with virtual interaction than, than maybe some others. Um, and, you know, we, we had a, recently, we've been involved in a, in a five-year strategic plan um, and somebody was saying, well, you know, in, in five years' time, many of the KOLs um, will have retired and the, the new generation will be very comfortable. And I suddenly realized, well, that, you know, that probably includes me from a retirement <laughs> perspective. Um, but, but yeah, I, I do think it's, it's variable, God, to just, you know, build a little bit on this from a geographic perspective. It's different in different countries as well, interestingly enough. It's, mm -hmm. it's linked to culture. Uh, and what we're seeing in some of the Southern European countries, um, who I'm sure you know, is very much relationship-driven. Um, it's a big gap. People really miss the face-to-face -face interaction. Um, some of the Northern European countries, maybe not so much. But then there's individual differences. And I think that takes us to an interesting conversation about stakeholder needs, which is, which is not one thing only. It's yeah. a variety of things. That's interesting. Well, so it, it seems like the, the very first part of this conversation, we've been looking at the field medical experience from the perspective of field medical. And one thing I know that Monocle has that, that I was really interested to learn more about is uh, information from the perspective of the expert. So, you know, I wonder, Robert, if you'd be willing to talk about what you know, you know from Monocle in, in what, what do these experts want? Can we look from the expert perspective for a second and, and 
can you talk to us about, about what experts want now and into the future? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. And, and I think it's something that, you know, everyone across the industry really has to think about, you know, historically, we have been very focused as an industry that, you know, building out engagements and relationships that are very focused on the needs of the organization trying to drive that relationship. Mm -hmm. And companies that are more attuned to understanding the, the, the needs of the the HCP or the expert, you know, what science are they looking to to gain from you as a, a provider of that science? Um, how are they interested in working with you? Uh, you know, in what types of activities? And so, being able to understand needs and preferences, even down to how someone wants to be communicated to, right. creates a sense of expectation. Creates a sense of positive expectation because if you look at you know, published reports, there is a low level of satisfaction with scientific relationships across the industry. And, and that has a downstream effect on perceptions of a product or a compound, or, and even perceptions of, of the company. And so using data and, and software to understand and memorialize those preferences and needs allows an organization to become very nimble and, um, align their activities to the most appropriate expert when the time is right. And, and that's the way that you build a relationship that is mutually beneficial, that achieves the expectations of both parties. And I think you have to start thinking about things that way, because the other thing that, that you know, this pandemic has done for us is probably created a situation where field medical teams and even medical affairs will have to build relationships with experts in emerging markets that they don't know. And so having this data at their fingertips and really understanding the profile and the, the, the personal data, personal information that you know, they have willingly shared um, <clears throat> is gonna help these teams be more effective. And, and if I could just come back to, to Danny's point about you know, five years from now, I think that this is one of the positive accelerants of COVID because we didn't see medical affairs you know, warmly embracing other communication technologies. Everyone was was trying them and using them to one level or, an, or another. And uh -huh. this has really created some nice change management across the industry and given the field medical teams a level of comfort, I believe, in the fact that they can do their jobs when necessary in a remote in a remote type of uh, manner. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I... I've always looked, you know, we all have complex jobs, right? And mm -hmm. field medical is a complex job. And I've heard various people try to boil it down in various ways. And what you said just now is that, you know, field medical is the provider of science. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I mean, that, if, if you were going to put a headline on what field medical does, I mean, is that what you would say? Is that field medical is the provider of science? I, th I think so. I, that's at the, the heart of scientific exchange is making sure that that expert decision maker has all of the information they need to, to make an informed patient decision. And if I go back to, you know, kind of my initial comp uh, comment, when we have something that is complex and innovative, you need to make sure that not just the expert has that information, but the care team around them. And so being the provider of that science informs everyone's decision and opinion on how care might be provided to a, to a patient in a very challenging way. Well, and I also I, can I just go ahead, I that, please, God. So, um, please thanks, do. Robert, for providing me this little step right onto my soapbox, right? <laughs> um, so, 
absolutely agree. You know, it is the provider of, of science. I would probably call it provider of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the, the intent is that it should have an impact on, on patient outcomes. But I think it's an and conversation, right? Okay. Um, so, so that is only the one way tell. It's still a little bit of what does the organization or the company want. And I think the, and this is the soapbox, but the, the, the bit that is really important, I think, and that as an industry, we, we haven't quite nailed down yet is the listening part. Mm-hmm. Oh, because it is as important for not only field-based medical, anybody from medical or commercial from that perspective, to really have the ability to listen, to understand how we can add value, but to also listen to potentially data gaps or um, questions about the the data or comparators or whatever the case may be, and really be able to delve down into listening, not only what is said, but also what is not said, right? So um, sometimes in the coaching world, people talk about listening between the lines. Um, And that is a a very interesting skill, which I think is even more important in a virtual interaction. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, I really do prefer video interaction because you do get at least some remnants or resemblance of of that face-to-face interaction to to look at reaction, to, to read body language and to really understand what this what the KOL or the expert think, um, because very often they know almost as much, if not more, than some of the field-based medical. They're an expert, for goodness sake, right? So how much can you actually tell them that they don't already know? So what is that relationship? What is that interaction? And what could be brought back into the company that is valuable, right? Which gets us into the whole actionable insights conversation yeah. as well. And you can only really do that if you if you go in, if you listen, and if you know the data well enough that you can have a scientific dialogue as opposed to, I need to go and show my 15 slides or God forbid, <laughs> 50 slides sometimes, right? So, so that I have, as you can hear, very strong feelings about that. No, I think it's, I think you're spot on. And I think that, that what we're talking about is moving away from something that was traditionally somewhat transactional. I am going to bring you this. I'm going to show you this, but it is about the skill. And if I know what you want from me, I can try to provide that in the most effective way possible, but I couldn't agree with you more about listening and looking and watching for things that are going to be valuable for your company, going to be valuable for the scientific, you know, the, the activities that are going on. And, and an insight isn't just something that you hear. It, it could be something that you see or something that you don't see. And I, I'm with you 100%, absolutely 100%. Critically important for the MSL to not think about themselves as a cloistered deliverer of slides, but as a scientifically strategic member of a pharmaceutical biotech organization that is trying to help drive science forward positively. And, and a conduit of information both ways. So, so what would we say? A provider of science, but also 
I don't know what the opposite would be, an acceptor of science or something like that, bringing, bringing the science in as a, in addition to helping the science get out. So, so two yeah. ways. Well, so here's something else I wanted to follow up on. Robert, you said, and I've heard elsewhere, that you, you, digital interactions provide the opportunity for field medical to be places where they yeah. haven't been before. You know, there are emerging you know, markets, if you want to call them that, or, or just emerging places that we can reach now yeah. because we don't have to have boots on the ground right. to do it. Yeah. How do you find the right people to engage with in, in places that you haven't been before? Well, I think you have to, it's a great, it's a great question. I mean, you can, you can think about the physical nature of things and, and where people may have some restricted access and, and using digital as a way to, to circumvent that access issue. But I also think that the industry has to look at the KOL or the expert or whatever whatever term we're going to apply to them in a different way. We we have traditionally spent a lot of time looking at things relative to volume, volume of behavior, volume of trial or publication. And I don't know that we always look at impact as a measure of someone that we could be working with. And so uh-huh. if I think about someone who has written one terrific, well-received paper uh-huh. that wouldn't receive kind of the normal measure within a company, you're missing an opportunity. And so I really think we have to shift our thinking around aligning our activities and our engagements to the right experts. And an expert is someone who knows more about one thing than anyone else or a group of people that know more about one thing than any, anyone else. And, and when I come back to the complexities of today's pipelines, there are going to be experts that are completely non-traditional that still have the opportunity to Danny's point to generate actionable insights as a result of a new relationship. That's interesting. So you're talking about experts. Uh, You're talking about quantifying influence, right? And, And if you can quantify that influence, maybe you're looking deeply in addition to broadly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, have, I have willingly cast off the term influence for the most part, oh. because we know, what the con- we know what the connotations of influence are. But if I can look deeply into someone's expertise, cool. I know more effectively how that person might be um, valuable to a discussion or to some activity or would welcome a relationship with me to further their expertise. And, and that's really a different way of looking at things. Um, it's not just about ivory tower, but it's about the people that have, you know, a particular focus. And if we think about the millennial generation, they don't behave the same way. They have very specific interests and very specific things that they want to do. And I would, I would argue that that will translate into scientific activity into the future. Okay. And so Danny, how do you formalize this? So when, when your field medical teams go off into the world uh, with these new skills and this new understanding and, and this new desire to be a conduit for information, do, do you formalize this or, or, you know, when you're looking at engagement planning, do, do you just send your field medical out with goals? How do you formalize this? Yeah, so really interesting question, uh, Garth, for sure. So, you know, we, we, we're all familiar with the, this notion of st- strategic planning, medical affairs plans, 
and you know you have the external engagement plans and then yeah. you go down to, to individual level um, and the goals and 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 that's all good that's that's fine but again traditionally that's a one-way situation what do i want to go and share um ah. and i think if we get into this habit of actually having that dialogue around how can i add value to your life and then you base your engagement plan on that and you know that's sort of where i started going right in the beginning it's about indiv truly individualized plans right so it's very easy to talk about individual engagement plans but what does it really mean? If it's individualized, it, it needs to be based on a conversation around how can I add value to you as one of my key stakeholders and build it around that and have that flexibility then to understand what are the different tools in the toolbox that I can pull out now mm -hmm. to go and add value. And at the meantime, I've actually picked up something which I haven't heard, so I can bring that back into the company, right? That actionable insight. And by the way, my definition of actionable would be something that can either influence a clinical development plan sure. and or a commercial plan, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Post-authorization. And just one other thing that I would like to, to add on engagement in general, right? The field-based medical who are knowledgeable and who knows what we're talking about, have a fantastic opportunity to engage with people that we didn't even know um, would be interested, right? For example, mm -hmm. webinars, right? Sure. More and more people actually get onto that. If the content, again, is valuable, you reach hundreds of physicians, where in the past you were happy if you got 50. Um, you know, so talking about volume and reach, um, the, the, the modern way or a digital way of engaging give you that opportunity to actually open it up to people who, you know, to use a commercial term, who in the past have not necessarily been targeted. Yeah, sure. And I think that's incredibly valuable for patients because at the end of the day, that's really what we should be focusing on is patience. Oh, that's interesting that your targeting goes right past, not right past, but right through the HCPs into patients. And I hear you saying, listen, listen, listen. You know, we, we get uh, information out, out, out. And most of these comments I've heard you say, Danny, are listen, listen, listen. And, you know, I think this brings us back to, to Robert you know, and Monocle too. So how do you, again, so how, Robert, how do you get to these new opportunities? You know, is it digital tools? Is it personal networks? How do you, how do you reach, you know, these people that Danny's talking about with a webinar? You, you can have 500 people on there, but how do you find these people or, or how, do you, how do you get the right people to engage, Robert? Well, I, I, it's a great question, and it's, I think it's something that medical affairs has to recognize, um, and it goes beyond the traditional approach that, they've, that, that we've seen in the past. And are there resources that should be created for these types of people? If we think about oncology 
in yeah. and of itself, you know, 85% of, of oncology care is delivered by a community level physician. Yeah. Are we creating opportunities for those community level physicians to engage and listen and learn and understand and share? Because to Danny's point earlier, you know, those recognized experts probably know more than you do. But when I have something new to bring to the market, I have something that is life-changing for patients. Should I be talking to the recognized experts about that with the same level of frequency that those, those physicians who are providing care um, are, 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 are doing? And, and you, know, you create a different type of value, a different type of respect when you think about the doctors, the experts, the allied health people that would benefit most from your data or your engagement, you know, you know, reflecting on, on that patient. And, you know, there are a whole host of tools and data that you can leverage today to identify people that fit those, those types of demographics. But I think it's, sure. it, the first step is really what is medical affairs really charged with doing? And again, come back to COVID. I think we've had the opportunity to really reflect on the way that we've done things in the past and we've identified things that we can do in the future that will really, A, drive value, demonstrate value, but have an impact on the patient. And this is all coming from the medical side of the business. Okay. Well, I think I think we got to uh, leave it at that. But I, I just wanted to say, it's interesting that in this conversation, I hear some what I would call actionable insights that I hope our mm-hmm. audience can take back to their teams. But I also hear a heck of a lot more questions. <laughs> and I think that's the mark of a good, good conversation is that I'm going to go away thinking about the questions that you have brought up uh, as much so as the actionable insights that I think you brought up as well. So thanks Robert and Danny for joining us today. Um, So to learn more about how Monocle can help your field medical teams connect with experts around the world to drive impactful outreaches and strategic engagements, visit monocle.com, that's M-O-N-O-C-L.com. And we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate. MAPS members, please join us at the community portal to continue the discussion. And don't forget to subscribe to this channel for weekly podcasts exploring current trends and best practices for medical affairs. Thank you both. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you.